2: but we usually welcome in on a Monday morning Jeffrey Esri writes for uh, Mile High Report. Uh, kind of, become, He's become he's already our Denver Broncos expert, uh, but also kind of a guy who can give us his thoughts, at least on what's going on with the NFL playoffs, which were quite interesting this weekend. Jeffrey, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, yeah. If you would have told me that um, the Texans would go up 24 nothing on the Chiefs, um, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed you if you said the Chiefs would hang 51 right after that. Um, and then the Titans game, you know, the day before was pretty crazy too. And Shaping up to be, it's been a really great playoffs really for um, ever since the wild card round.
2: Yeah, it has. It has been a great playoffs. I mean, the Chiefs with an, uh, I don't even, I don't know if I would consider it unbelievable comeback. I mean, it is interesting to see, but if there was one team in the NFL that could overcome a 24 point deficit, it would be them, wouldn't it? Yeah,
0: it was, it was funny that, you know, kind of once they got the game tied up, it, it felt like, you know, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, okay, here they go. You know, because you to your point, you know, Pat Mahomes and that offense is one of those teams that once they get rolling, you know, it's um, tough to stop.
2: Looking at that Tennessee-Baltimore game, I mean, that game was – I don't know. I don't, I, th- I thought Tennessee would actually hang around, but I think a lot of people thought that was going to be all Baltimore all the way, and it's practically dominated by Tennessee. In your opinion, what makes that team so so good?
0: So I didn't know that you know Tennessee really had much of a chance, especially after the big win on the road in Foxborough and the way that the Ravens had been playing. But you know, I think a lot of people take away obviously Derrick Henry and his rushing attack, you know, 180-plus yards in two straight playoff games. Um, But I think the lesson there, and it it played over in the 49ers game as well, is teams that are controlling the line of scrimmage. Um, The Titans did it on really both sides of the ball um, with their interior defensive line um, against the Ravens, and they had a good plan to slow down Lamar Jackson. But then on the offensive side, they just dominated up front, um, and that's a tough Ravens, you know, front seven. And um, the Tennessee Titans were pushing them around, and they did the same to New England the week before. And so, um, I think when you're able to control and dominate the line of scrimmage like the Titans have been, uh, good things happen. And that you know they've got a bit of a feel um, to the 2011 New York Giants, in my opinion. You know, the wild card team that's getting hot at the right time and um, you know, they're going to make it a, a really interesting AFC championship game, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, if you're a Chiefs fan, which I know you're not, but if you were a Chiefs fan, I mean, you've got to be a little bit concerned about Tennessee coming in because they do one thing that's very good and that's counterproductive to what you want to do. They hold on to the football and keep it away from Patrick Mahomes and that offense. I mean, that's, uh, if there's a team that comes in uh, that, that has the chance of upsetting the Chiefs, it could be the Titans with the way they play.
0: Keep away from Pat Mahomes. They control the line of scrimmage and, um, you know, really run the ball. And it'll be an interesting um, thing to watch if Kansas City um, ends up continuing to sit Chris Jones. Um, you know, their stout defensive tackle up front, he was out for the um, game yesterday but potentially maybe to rest up for the championship game. So that'll be a big thing to watch because they'll need him on the interior. But then the way the Titans have been playing defense, I think the one thing that they'll struggle with against Pat Mahomes is their pass rush on the edge hasn't been the greatest, but their secondary has been lights out. And so, yeah, it's a a great matchup um, and a tough one if you're the Chiefs going against that defense um, without running him on the other side.
2: The NFC has got the Packers, they beat the Seahawks 28-13. The 49ers dominate the Vikings 27 to 10. In your opinion, is that the more exciting game though of the two?
0: The AFC Championship game, I think for sure with the way the Titans have kind of come on, I think everybody'll be wanting to watch that. Now, the, you know, the 49ers Packers is kind of what we all expected. Um you know, maybe thought the Seahawks could come in and take out the Packers, but really those were the top two teams in the NFC for pretty much the whole year. And the Packers really got um, destroyed against the 49ers when they played in the regular season. And so they'll be looking for revenge. And I think that'll be a great matchup um, with really the two top dogs. And so you kind of have a bit of an underdog situation in the AFC with them coming to town to take on the number um, or you know the top seeded Chiefs, and then on the NFC side, it's really just the two top dogs battling it out.
2: Jeffrey Esri is our guest. He writes for MileHighReport dot com. We'll get to more Broncos news. There is some big Broncos news that came that hit this weekend. Um, but before we do that, uh, who do you think will be playing for the Super Bowl? Kind of trying to make a prediction, Jeffrey.
0: Fortunately. Um... For Titans fans and the kind of magic that their run has been, I think the Chiefs end up pulling it out. Um, especially just the way the way that they kind of got rolling and started playing against the Texans, um, they were looking you know really hot on the offensive side. Um, and depending on if you know if Chris Jones comes back, I think their defense plays better. So I think it'll be the Chiefs on the AFC side and. I don't know that anybody can stop the 49ers at this point. Um, Packers would have to have a really, really good game. Although their defense did play good yesterday against the Seahawks, but um, I think that'll be a heavyweight slugfest. But I think um, it ends up being 49ers Chiefs in playoffs.
2: Yeah, that would be very interesting to see for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think three out of the four teams you would have said, yeah, I could have seen them making it to the Super Bowl. You know, the Titans, not so much. But I'm not going to put it past them to possibly sneak past the Chiefs the way they're running and playing the football. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Um, I know you guys at Mile High Report were quite busy yesterday. There was some big news uh, yesterday, especially surrounding um, going to be a new offensive coordinator again uh, for the Broncos as Rick Scangarella was fired, which I personally
1: found to be a little bit shocking. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
0: Yeah, I think we all did. We were all sitting there watching the... Kansas City and, um, Houston game. And then all of a sudden the news dropped. And so it kind of was a, a a mad dash to, um, kind of dig into the situation a little bit. And so, and the word was that inside the, really the offensive staff, they were surprised too. And so, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly about the timing. Um, you know, the, the guy that Denver got to replace him, Pat Shermer, the word was that he was getting close to signing with the, um, Chicago bears. And so potentially that was why they, you know, um, took the time that they did. Uh, It's a really interesting timing of the fire for it to be, you know, two weeks after the regular season ends. And then right after um, Vic Fangio and really John Elway both gave the impression that the entire staff would be staying together, you know, I don't know if they had a change of heart or that was kind of the plan all along. And they were just looking to have their guy lined up before they made the move. Um, but yeah, big, big surprise. And, you know, I was completely shocked yesterday as my Twitter account will, um, will testify. (laughs) There's a bit of some knee jerk reactioning, uh, going on. And I'm still not a huge fan of the way it, it, you know, shook out, but I'm coming around to the move a little
2: bit. I mean, it's, it's almost like as if, you know, the Broncos were content with what they said and then they learned, well, Hey, you know, we could actually have an upgrade here. And so, in like, it seemed like within a 24-hour span, they got a hold of that person. They had interest. They said, we'll hire you. We're going to fire this guy. I mean, it was just such a, a quick turn of events. Um, like you said, I think that's what made it so interesting. And, and it, it comes after Rick Scangarella really fe- seemed to have found a little bit of confidence with Drew Locke uh, at the end of the season, winning four of the last five. I mean, was this move necessary, or do you think it's just because they want to? What's the reason for this move, really?
0: Yeah, that's the biggest head scratcher was the development of not only Drew Locke towards the end of the season, but also of the offense. And it felt like the growth from Rich Scangarello, which is, you know, one of the big reasons that I thought he'd be coming back. Um, You know, obviously the offense didn't perform and it underperformed all year um, and was, you know, bottom five in a lot of categories, but they played through three quarterbacks. And so, you know, you, you would at least think that would be taken into account, at least from a t- statistical perspective. Now, there was um, word that, you know, Rich Scangarello and Big Fangio weren't necessarily on the same page all the time. Um, and you could kind of sense that throughout the season at press conferences and stuff as well. Um, the word is that Big Fangio is, you know, wanting to be more aggressive and thought that Rich Scangarello was a little too conservative. Um, and I think to your point, they saw potential to upgrade. Um, and, you know, I'm all for finding an upgrade and making the team better at every spot, wherever you can. Um, I just, I hope it is an upgrade and it shakes out that way. um, And they're able to keep this guy in place, you know, Pat Shermer for a long time. um, Because I think that's the biggest thing you sacrifice and give up when you let go of Scangarello after a year, when he's been working with Locke is really all the continuity and consistency that you built on the offensive side with all those young players. Now that's not a reason to, you know, keep a guy who's underperforming if you think you can upgrade. Um, but that is the, the downside is that now you've got to start all over on the offensive side with um, a new scheme, you know, young players who had just learned the previous one and have been through two off, you know, in some cases, Cortland Sutton, you know, this will be his third offensive coordinator in three years. And for Drew Locke, you're changing out offensive coordinators, right into his, you know, he was going into an offseason where he could really study the offense and kind of get familiar with, um, continue to grow in that. And so, you know, potentially sets him back from a learning standpoint. But, you know, the hope is that maybe this is one step, you know, back and two steps forward if Pat Surmer ends up being an upgrade.
2: Okay, real quickly, a little bit of fun here to close out. There's been a new offensive coordinator Uh, For the Broncos, from 16, 17, 18, 19, now 20, can you name all five?
0: (laughs) Uh, 16, it was Mike McCoy. No, sorry. um, Gary Kubiak and his staff were 16. And um, Rick Dennison, I think, was the OC by name. Gary Kubiak was really calling the plays. 2017, you had Mike McCoy um, coming in with Vance Joseph's staff. Um, he was let go midway through the season, and Musgrave, um, Bill Musgrave, came in and then um, ended up coming in through the whole season of 2018 with Van Joseph's staff, and then 2019, Rich Scangarello, and now you've got Pat Trimmer. Way so, to go, yes! Quite the carousel. So.
2: <laughs> yes, and more winning. winning. You got it right, all the way. Five, way to go. I don't know, if It's it's amazing. Win, huh? Say what?
0: What do I win? Uh, yeah, I know,
2: right? Uh, well, sorry. I'll, I'll work on that next time. But that was well done <laughs> naming all five of the offensive coordinators now from 16 to 2020. Uh, and you got to think uh, at some point in time, they got to settle on someone if you're ever going to let your offense develop and grow because starting over fresh every year is just not to get it done. It's not going to get it done, is what I should say. Uh, once again, he is Jeffrey Essery, writes for a Mile High Report. Jeffrey, as always, we thank you for your time on the Broncos, of course, and for your insight on the NFL. And uh, look forward to visiting with you next week again.